Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Today comes from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verses 14 through 21. It can be found on page 268 of your pew Bible or on the screen. Let us hear the word of the Lord. David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with a sounding of trumpet. As the ark came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed food among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, to each a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people went back to their homes. David returned to bless his household, but Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, maids, as vulgar fellow might shamelessly uncover himself. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me in place of your father and all his household to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, that I have danced before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in my own eyes. But by the maids whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Derek and Robin, for that amazing hymn. That is one of my absolute favorite hymns to hear sung. It just brings me back. Well, good morning, Orange. My name is Josh Abraham, and I am the contemporary uh, worship director at our Pathways service, and I'm also the coordinator of church communications here. And normally, uh, I would be leading worship at Pathways and then doing tech in the back, but this week, I am delivering the message for you. Uh, I, thank you, Jan. <laughs> Uh, it is a special blessing to be able to do this. I love preaching, and it's something that uh, when I get a chance to do it, I, I put my whole self into it. And I'm also very thankful that Pastor Adam was able to fill in for me this week. He is also a wonderful worship leader, and I was super blessed just to be able to sit and watch the band praise God, and it was a welcome change. Before we begin this morning, let us go to God in prayer. God of song and dance, God of music and poetry, may the worship that we bring fill your ears and fill your hearts and be pleasing to you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. 
This week, uh, we begin a brand new sermon series called Living Church, where we will begin to explore the ways that we can live out our faith in connection together as a church body. We want to be a church body that goes beyond just the Sunday mornings. We want to focus on what everyday life can look like as followers of Jesus. Over the next few weeks, we will talk about things such as radical hospitality, intentional faith development, risk-taking missions, and extravagant generosity. But this week, we will begin with passionate worship. Now, I've been a contemporary worship leader for about 13 years now, and I credit worship music with setting me on the path to ministry. It helped me grow from an anxious and geeky teenager to an anxious and geeky adult now. <laughs> it led me to study religion at Campbell University, go fighting camels. And then to Duke Divinity School, go Blue Devils. <laughs> well, that one wasn't as enthusiastic in, in this crowd. <laughs> it has put me here preaching before you, and worship will hopefully be the thing that guides me forward in ministry. I love hearing people sing. I love watching them use the things that they have been blessed with by God to bring glory and honor to God. I love watching people sing, act, dance, cook, do whatever is in their hearts to make God be known among the people. When I was looking for texts and uh, Bible passages, I wanted to find ones that could give us a glimpse of what passionate worship could look like. And so I settled on this awesome passage from 2 Samuel. In the text, we see that peace has finally come to the land of Israel after a long, bloody internal conflict between the house of David and the house of Saul. David emerges victorious and is finally anointed as king over united Israel. To celebrate this amazing and momentous occasion, David gathers a large force of men and brings the Ark of the Covenant back to its home in Jerusalem. The Ark was where God's spirit resided in the Old Testament and was said to contain the staff of Moses and the original Ten Commandments etched onto stone tablets. And uh, Saul's forces decided that they were going to take the Ark of the Covenant with them into battle, but that did not go as planned. Saul was defeated and the Ark was lost for some periods of time. But now it is being brought home, back to Jerusalem, back to its place of worship. And as David is leading this triumphant parade through Israel, he starts to, he starts to feel a little bit of the spirit start to move in with him. I feel like David would be one of those really awkward, like dad dancing kind of guys, you know? <laughs> one of those guys that would give a little bit of this, you know? Something that his kids would look at and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what he's doing. He, the text says that he girds himself with a linen ephod and dances before the Lord with all his might. And as we heard in the text earlier, Saul's daughter, Michael, was not too thrilled about David's performance. I love the way that the message portrays David's response to her. He says, in God's presence, I'll dance all I want. He chose me over your father and the rest of our family and made me prince over God's people, over Israel. Oh yeah, I'll dance to God's glory more recklessly even than this. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll gladly look like a fool. 
Just from hearing this story, I think we can all tell that David's worship has some passion to it. I mean, typically you don't dance like no one's watching and lead a literal parade down the road if you're not feeling some kind of passion in your life. I mean, maybe you do. But there's some interesting things that we can find in this text when we look a little closer. But the first thing that I want to say is that when our worship is passionate, it is authentic. It is authentic about where we are in life right here and right now in the present. Oftentimes, we like to equate passion with happiness and with joy. But we forget that our worship does not have to always be happy and joyful. It is so easy in our lives to shove down the feelings that we have and pretend like things are okay when they are really not. How often have you had a terrible week? The things of the world are just plaguing your every thought and you bump into someone and they ask, how are you doing? And the first thing out of your mouth without even thinking is, I'm doing okay. But you're not doing okay. You're worried, you're stressed, you're angry, you're tired. We do not have to push those things away. Sure, in this story, David is dancing like there is no tomorrow. But if we open the book of Psalms, we'll see David's other emotions on full display. Lament is everywhere. Lament about personal choices that people make and the consequences that come of that. Lament for community of having lost something and mourning something. I love Psalm 13, and it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. No putting on a brave face. No pretending like things are okay. In these psalms, every word is dripping with passion. The emotions that we feel are ones that have been created in us by God to be felt. They don't need to be pushed down or away in place of something joyful. We are humans who feel all of the things. And God accepts us in whatever state of emotions that we are in. Bring your all. Bring your everything. If you are dancing for joy, dance. If you are drowning in sorrow, bring your tears. God accepts it all with open arms and with gladness. Don't ever feel like to bring something passionate in worship, you have to bring do you have to bring something that you are not feeling at that moment? And the second thing that we can see is that when we engage in passionate worship, we start to reimagine how things can be used. And we start to get a little creative. One detail of the story that you might not have picked up at first is what David happened to be wearing in this story. The text tells us that David was wearing a linen ephod. And that is a ceremonial garment, kind of like an apron that the high priests would wear during the ceremonies in ancient Israel. They were a vital part of the priest's outfit. 
and they were there to, com- to carry weight and ceremony. They're kind of like the stoles and the robes that Pastor Adam, Corey, and Sarah are wearing. They're meant to signify the presence of God with you, around you at all times. But here was David wearing kind of a handmade one, kind of a, a, a strange looking one. It'd be like if Pastor Adam took his stole off, wrapped it around his head like a headband, made himself a a little ephod kind of from scraps and then just led everybody in a conga line down the aisles. Yeah, right now. (laughs) It's not against the rules, but it would look kind of out of place, right? The way that David takes these garments, he reimagines the way that they can be used. Those garments have a deep and special meaning. And the people who wear them don't take them lightly. But that's what passionate worship does. It breaks down the ceremony. It breaks down the rules and says, there aren't any rules. There is freedom to do the things that connect us to God. Even if somebody else around us thinks that it's improper or foolish or not allowed. Let the Spirit move you. If you want to raise your hands in worship, go for it. Who decided that we were not allowed to raise our hands when we were singing hymns? I mean, the words are on the screen right there for you to see. If you want to say amen when something moves you, you say amen, church. Amen? Amen. There you go. (laughs) If you want to clap, Go for it. The only rule I have is that if you are clapping, please make sure that you clap on two and four of the beat. So we're going to practice that right now. It goes one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You got it. Excellent job, everybody. (laughs) If you want to dance in the aisles, break a leg. Get down. Have joy. Have that freedom. Worship in the way that is unique to you. If you need some help learning how to break some of these rules, look to the examples of life that Jesus pointed out. Children. Think about it. When a child is playing and their imagination is running wild with ideas, there's no rules as to what's allowed or what can be done. If the situation that they're in calls for some sweet dance moves, they're going to break down. They are going to enjoy themselves and put everything that is within them into what they are doing. Take that rule book and throw it out. That is what passionate worship allows us to do. Be like the children and let yourself go. Secondly, excuse me, finally, <laughs> passionate worship decenters ourselves and shows others what God's love is truly like. I'm sure you've heard people say, I didn't really get anything out of worship today. I mean, hopefully right now you're getting a lot out of this one. Maybe that's been your experience in the past. I confess it's been mine. We treat worship like a vending machine. We put exactly what we want in and we expect to get exactly what we want out. 
And if we don't, then we raise a fit. I put my money in there. Where's my soda? I earned this. I demand this. What if we changed our perspective a little bit? What if we said, what is my worship showing others about who God is right now? When David brings in the Ark of the Covenant to the city, he offers sacrifices to God, and then he does something unique. He blesses everybody who's in attendance there. And then he starts to hand out food to everybody, bread, portions of meat, cake. He shows that when, when David is engaging in worship for God alone, that abundant love of God is for you. It spills out. It is given to you more and more. It's just like what Jesus tells us as the most important commandment, to love God and to love others. Those things are intertwined, and we can't untangle them. When the worship team practices on Thursday nights, the first thing I always pray for when we begin is, I pray that when people see the band playing and singing on stage, they would see God moving in what we do. Sometimes I let myself get in the way of that when I'm hyper-focusing on uh, whatever instrument I'm playing or, oh no, something tech-related is broken and Ryan and I have to stay after and fix it or just wanting to get off the stage so I can grab another coffee because I did not get another sleep. But at the end of the day, I want my worship to echo the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let other people see what your worship of God looks like beyond the Sundays here so that when they see what you do, they see the love of Jesus in every action that you have. As a good Methodist, I wanted to give you all something that you might be able to hold on to and learn from as we learn how to make our worship more passionate. And there is something very interesting that we can learn from our founder, uh, John Wesley, and it can actually be found in your hymnal. I don't know if you've uh, flipped to the preface on page seven, but there are some words that uh, John Wesley has given to us. So we're going to flip to that right now. And go through some of these uh, interesting things. <laughs> yes. The first thing that John Wesley says, as I flip to it, I'll just read it from here. <laughs> Rule number one, learn these tunes before you learn any others. Afterwards, learn as many as you please. So these hymns that are in this book, you better learn them before you start singing any Taylor Swift or you start singing anything that's on the radio, you better know them back to front, all of the verses, not just the ones that we sometimes skip. Number two, sing them exactly as they are printed here without altering or mending them at all. And if you have learned to sing them otherwise, unlearn it as soon as you can. So what's ever in here is what we are gonna sing. And if you know something different, you better forget it ASAP. Number three, sing all. See that you join the congregation as frequently as you can. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. If it is a cross to you, take it up and you will find a blessing. 
I mean, if you're tired, you know, just down some coffee and just get right to singing loudly. Number four, this is, a, this is a weird one. Sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sang the songs of Satan. Not 100% sure what the songs of Satan are. Um, if you know, please do tell me. I would love to know. Number five, sing modestly. Do not bawl as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation that you might not destroy the harmony, but strive to unite your voices together so as to make one melodious sound. Uh, our musical director, Derek, is going to be uh, looking at everyone while they sing, and if you uh, start to get off on harmonies a little bit, he's going to bring you down a little bit. <laughs> Number six, sing in time. Whatever time is sung, be sure to keep it. Do not run before and do not stay behind it, but attend closely to the leading voices and move there within as exactly as you can and take care not to sing too slow. Remember the, the two and the four claps that we did. That is your home. Live in that, people. And number seven, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself or any other creature. Now, yes, I think that these can just be funny things that we look at and say, man, I never would have wanted to sing in front of John Wesley. <laughs> or we can look at them differently. What if we looked at these statements with the same eyes that David had in our text? What if they were said like this? Worship loudly if you can, with boldness and conviction. Don't be afraid to break the rules. Don't be afraid to throw out the playbook about things have been done. Pay attention to how you worship and sh as you show what God's love is like because the love that you show others might be the only love of God that people might ever see. And remember that when you sing, you don't sing for human ears. You sing for the ears of God. If that is what passionate worship that we bring to God looks like, I do believe that it would be a sweet, sweet sound that we lift up to God. Let us pray together. Lord, hear our words today. See our dancing, hear our songs. See our mourning and see our joy. Let us learn to lift each and every moment to you so that the world would see you in our every step, in every note that we sing. You are our audience, O God of David. It is in your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.